Thank you for the privilege of being able to speak at this service with you. And it's strange, really. I decided what I was going to speak on before I was aware that Lyndon would be speaking and uh, about giving. And I'd like to speak to you from the story of the widow's offering, or if you're in the authorised version, the widow's might. And um, may I say, first of all, if you would read this story, people would maybe assume that you're going to speak about giving. Well, I'm not. Well, certainly not monetary giving, because I don't think this is what this story is about. It's part of it, and we see giving is part of it, but I think there's far more in this story than just a, an appeal or a call to us to give of finance. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, if you would, to Mark 12. Mark 12. And I'll read this to you and then we'll spend a few moments walking through it together to see if we can encourage one another. Verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched a crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. This is a very interesting story. It's, the scene is to be set, if I might too. The place where Jesus sat down was near the gate, beautiful we believe, not far from the women's court in the temple area. And it's a very deliberate thing. He sat down opposite the place. It was his choice. I'm sure there are many places he could have stopped and rested, but that's the place he chose, that he would sit down opposite the place where the offerings were put. The reason he was able to do this was because in our services, we have a time when we take the offering. We've just had the time. We'll come around and we'll receive the offering. But in the temple, there wasn't a time to receive the offering. It wasn't possible. Because of the nature of the services and the sacrifices and the worship going on, that wasn't possible. So instead of having a time to give, they had a place. And this is the place where Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Now, to facilitate the crowds that would be attending the temple, and if it was a feast day, we're talking thousands upon thousands of people would be passing through, <clears throat> they didn't have your offering uh, buckets that we, uh, I've probably called it the wrong thing. It, uh, yeah, it's a bucket, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, around, and, um, and they didn't pass it around. They had something for the offering called trumpets. Yes, you've got the right word, trumpets. Basically, it was because they were very large at the top, and they were funneled down like this. There's no extra charge for the drama, by the way. This is funneled down. And then there would be a chest, no doubt, for the money. And they were called the trumpets. And they were lined up there. <clears throat> In fact, there was 13 of them, 13 trumpets. There were nine of them that were used for um, giving your offering. So if you weren't able to bring a sacrifice, you could give an offering. Um, so that was called the temple tribute. And then there were four for free will offerings. 
And so you would be able to determine where you wanted to go. They would be, have a, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet on them. So you think, well, I've not brought any sacrifices. So you would give your offering into one of the nine trumpets here. Then there was another four trumpets. And they forced to pay for the wood for the altars, incense, decorating the temple, generally there. So they even had designated giving in Bible times. So that's where Jesus sat down. There there were the 13 trumpets and people were walking past. Now these were not small receptacles. They were large because they had to be. Now the fact of the, the shape of this was served two purposes. First of all, a lot of people could put money in. In fact, we're told in Mark that the rich people threw in large amounts. So people would be walking past and they would actually throw it in. And so the trumpet could catch it and it would be funneled down in there. It also stopped people putting their hand in and taking anything out. But I, I didn't need to tell you that here because you're all so honest. But I mean, that was, that was the case. So Jesus sat down opposite the place. Now, I've got to say that I think in the culture I've been brought up in, I know we have many cultures here, that that is almost, I've got to be careful what I say, and I will redeem myself in a moment. It's almost rude. You know, if I was to walk around this morning and follow around the, the, the buckets as they came around for your, and, and watch what you put in, some of you would be very offended. You'd say, oh, it's nothing to do with it, it's between me and God. Well, you're right. As I say, two things would happen if I did that. First of all, you'd be offended, and we probably have the biggest offering we've had in years. And you think, well, he's watching, I better put the extra, you know, in. So, the little thing of embarrassment is probably my culture. You know, I used to, you know, get your offering and you'd fold it really small in your hand so nobody could see what it was and putting it in the offering. I mean, the poor treasurer spent the afternoon ironing them. <laughs> so he never had a crease in his trousers, but he also had to, he had to iron out these um, five-pound notes or 20-pound notes or looking around 50-pound notes. Okay, a few. Okay, in that way. But he sat there and he watched. And of course, for me, my culture, it would be rude to watch or inquire. But of course, if they were giving to the temple, Jesus was the temple. If they were giving to the Lord, Jesus was the Lord. So he had every right to observe the offerings that, if I can say indirectly, were towards him and his father's house, of which he was part of it. Now, in this story, we tell us, Luke tells us that Jesus looked up. Just prior to this, he had had some tough times with teachers of the law. In fact, he came in and he was quite strict with them. He said about them, they devour widows' houses. One minute they're praying in public, the next minute they're devouring widows' houses. And so there's almost a contrast between <coughs> what happened before this and the event where Jesus is going to honour a widow in our story. And Luke tells us that he looked up. Now, I don't know, I just have this thought in my mind that Jesus was never depressed. Jesus was never in that situation. But we do know there were times when he had to go and pray. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane he struggled and he was very human, 100% God, 100% man. The maths don't work, I know that, but it's called the mystery of godliness. There were times when Jesus needed... And I just wonder whether he went into this place, he sat down and he thought, well, I'll watch what people give. Let's just see what's going on. And his head went down and then he looked up. He looked up and he was observing what was happening. I don't think he was that concerned about the amounts. There was, I think, a, a higher reason why he was looking and I will hopefully uh, justify that statement as we travel through. 
So we're told very simply they sat down opposite the place where they are, by the, by the, near the women's gate, by the gate, beautiful, pardon me, by the trumpets. Then he noticed, they said, there many rich people threw in large amounts. Okay, so there was crowds and they literally threw them in. I was almost tempted to get some offering baskets here and get you to throw your offerings and see how much we could catch. But it wasn't happening. So they would walk past and they would throw in their offering. And we're told there that they gave large amounts. It's quite simple. Rich people threw in large amounts. You see, the great thing about our Lord is this. He does know your circumstances. That's the great thing. You know, we can't educate the Lord as to our situation at all. So he was able to see the rich putting in large amounts. Rich people put in large amounts. Makes sense. A poor widow comes along and puts in her offering, which is so much smaller. And just that very demarcation between the rich putting large and the widow putting little shows to me that God knows God understands your circumstances. God knows where you're at. And he's not going to ask more of you than you have in that situation. We need to believe for more and etc. But he could discern what was happening. So he sat down, deliberately sat down. He was discriminating. It was comprehensive. He could see the rich and the poor. And um, there he had it. And as he looked up, it says there, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Again, we're told she was a widow. So that, again, opens up a whole understanding. No welfare, no benefits, no pensions in the sense that we know them today. This lady <coughs> was a poor widow. And we are told that she put in her offering. We're told very simply it was two small copper coins. Now, these copper coins had a nickname, okay? I do know the other names, but time won't allow now. But they had a nickname. So when I was growing up, if I said to my mum, can I have half a crown? It was two and six. Or if I said, can I have a bob? It was a shilling. The answer was always no, but I'd, I would ask her, you know. Um, my mother was deaf. She had a, a hearing aid. It was an amazing hearing aid because when I asked her for money, it, she couldn't hear me. And if she said, tidy your room up, and I said, no, wallop. <laughs> That's why my ears stick out. Because <laughs> my mother used to do that, oh, oh, that hurt, no, all the time. So, um, in that, I don't know why I'm telling you that, really. It's a bit of, bit of therapy for me in, in my time of life. But um, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. But the widow was there. And she came, and Jesus knew, and she put in these two very small copper coins. And they had a nickname, that's where I was. And they were called leaves, because they were so thin. Now, they have a real posh name, uh, I think Lepto or something, and there was some uh, king, Alexander did them, not a, who's a king of Israel, Judah, it was all very complicated. But they were called leaves. Now, the interesting thing is, we're told very simply about them, two small copper coins. So they were of the cheapest metal and they were very small. So when I was growing up, a farthing was the smallest coin you could have. Now it's a, a penny, right? So when I grew up, the smallest coin you could have had was a quarter of a penny, which was a farthing. Is that right? Any bank managers here, right? 
Okay? And then as inflation comes, no doubt the penny will drop off, etc., etc. And these were called leaves because they were so thin. So here we have this lady giving two copper coins, the cheapest metal, and they're like leaves, very, very thin. So in Bible days, a gold coin would be worth more than a bronze coin. A silver coin would be less than a gold coin, depending obviously on size and weight, but we won't go down on that. We're all good with that, all right? The two. And so we have this picture, a poor widow who is going to put into the offering all she has. Two farthings, we might say, two pence. What can you buy for two pence today? Now, somebody will no doubt think of something, but I don't know there's many things you could buy for two pence today. Maybe some sweets, maybe, I don't know, but um, in that way. But that's the situation this lady was in. And the bags were thrown in, and then she came along and just dropped them in. No noise, no spectacular response, just the two coins went in. Couple of little problems that I need to think through, and then I solve it in my own thinking. Why did Jesus let her do it? Why did he not stop her? If, I, if the leadership of this church thought there was anybody here, any widows here, that were going to put in their last tuppence into the offering, we'd say, Don't do it. In fact, we'd try and do something to help you. If I, if I said to this room this morning, I know there's a widow here this morning who if she doesn't have some money by tomorrow morning are going to cut off her gas and electricity, and by it's my wife, by the way. No, it's not, that was a joke. You know, can we have an offering? I, well, I said, I'm going to leave a basket down here. Well, be, you'd give. You would, you'd think, well, I've got gas and electricity, I can pay my gas bill. I'm not going to have some lady living on her own without heat and light, and we'd have put some money in. I remember when I work at a youth camp up in... You, um, up in North Yorkshire and um, one, one year a little girl came to the camp it was, in a, it was then in a place called Freysthorpe and she came and her parent, her mother had sent her to a two week camp in tents with the clothes she stood up in nothing else not even a raincoat or Wellingtons in case you've never been to Yorkshire it has been known to rain there and at the time, I was pastoring the Derby Church, and I would uh, minister on the Saturday, and I'd drive back to the Derby Church for the Sunday. And I just mentioned this. I said, there's this little girl. I can't believe it. The rest of it, I said, um, we'd like to help her. We had an offering, and this, I'm talking 25 years ago, 200, 350 pounds, I think it was, after the service, on top of the offering. And we set up a little fund. I got one of the ladies from the camp to take her out, got her old coat, got her wellies, and got her all set up. You know, well, that's the heart, you know. If I went to a local pub round here, and may I say I don't know any of them. <laughs> I know one in Hammersmith, but we're not going there. That's all been forgiven, and that's all gone. Okay, and I know one in Eastcote, but again, that's forgiven. <laughs> Anywhere else while I'm at the run. There was a very big one in Richmond, but that's another story. But if I went into a local pub and said, excuse me, there's a lady here, can't pay her gas bill, they're going to turn it off in the morning. Even the non-Christians would have a whip round. It's in our, but Jesus did nothing. You'd think you'd have got the disciples at least to say, right, come on, I want a pound from each of you so we can pay this lady. Well, he wouldn't have got 12 because Judas would have gone to the loo. 
It had been bye-bye. Jesus, Judas held the bag. Can I just say as an off what are you holding? Judas, Judas held the bag. The money was the big thing for Judas. Anyway, but he didn't do that. He sat there and watched it happen. And one part of me says, why didn't he stop her? We don't need two copper coins. Why did he not get the disciples have a whip round and or do something to try and help? Why did he do nothing? Well, I think he did it because there was a greater purpose in this. What happened later, I don't know. But something else happened as it went. And it says there, after he had seen this, Jesus did something. It says there, he called the disciples to him. Now, he did this on many times. In Mark 3, he called them as they became apostles. He sent them out two by two, feeding the 4,000. Many times Jesus called the disciples to him. They were all very important times. So he's saying, listen, fellas, gather around. Come on, come on. I've just seen something. Maybe somebody thought he was going to say, I've just seen a fella put 5,000 pound in the offering. No. You won't believe what I've just seen. Someone just dropped a bag of gold in. No. He highlights, he commends this lady, calling his disciples to him. He said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into treasury than all the others. What do you mean? She's putting copper coins. We've just seen a fella put 5,000 in. They gave out of their wealth. She out of her poverty. So he could discern. He's not taken in. He's not impressed by the millionaire. Neither does he despise the millionaire. He doesn't love millionaires more than non-millionaires or poor people. He loves everyone. They all gave out of their wealth. But she out of her poverty put in everything. And I think, and you don't, if you don't agree, that's allowed, by the way. If you go home and you read your Bible again and come up with a different interpretation, I'm very happy because you've opened your Bible twice. Which might, for some of you, might be the start of something. He said, very simply there, she hath put in everything. I think that was the key. I think that's what this is all, this is why this is in the scripture. You see, Jesus had just come from confrontation. He'd just come from people who were religious and hypocrites, who prayed long prayers and then robbed the widows. They were the people he was, he'd been seeking to win and they really weren't interested in the previous verses. But here we have someone who put in everything. I just wonder, and it's just the preacher, and the preacher's allowed to throw out thoughts for you. I just wonder that when he left that group of people, and he went into the temple and he sat down and his head was down because he had to look up. I just wonder whether it was one of those days Jesus needed some old-fashioned encouragement. Was it worth it? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the angels came and ministered to him after he said, not my will, but thy will be done. There were times when the pressure and the challenges came, when he would have to go away and pray and spend time with God. And I just wonder whether Jesus sat down and maybe he thought, I just wonder if there's anyone out there that could inspire me. And this woman did. She put in everything. Jesus 
not long after this, was going to go to the cross. Can you think of anything Jesus held back from the cross? When he was arrested, he went without violence. When he was wrongly accused, he opened not his mouth, the scripture says. When they said to him, we want to put a crown of thorns on your head, he gave him his head. When they wanted to torture him and scourge him, he gave them his back. He gave them his hands, he gave them his feet, they tore at his beard, they spat. Let me, friends, let me say that when the crucifixion was over, when Christ was hanging on that cross, I'll tell you this, I believe he'd put everything in. Nothing left. Nothing left. It was done. Nothing left. What more could he give them? He gave them his name, which they run. Even on the cross, they said, if you're the son of God, come down. Do you know, there's a little bit of me wish he did come down, frighten the life out of them, and then gone back. <laughs> but I don't think that would fit. I mean, that's just me. That's not Elam or KT. That's me. Okay. And here we have a woman who's walking away, having put everything in. But Jesus didn't walk away from the cross. We're told here she had put everything, all she had to live on. This woman now was totally dependent on God. Maybe that's why she did it. Maybe she thought, you, what can you buy with tuppence? Nothing. I'll put it in the offering and trust God. Maybe she did. We don't know. But she did walk away. Having made her sacrifice of everything, she walked away, all she had to live on. In other words, Jesus is saying she's got nothing. She's going to starve. She's going to be evicted. The gas bill isn't going to be paid. She's in trouble. But she put it in. And I like to think that at a moment when Jesus needed some, I say inspiration, it's probably not the right word, but it'll do. Needed some inspiration, something just to keep him going to the cross as he set his face as a flint. This lady, without name, without fame, in poverty, inspired Jesus more than any of the rich people. And I do not criticize them. We thank them for their giving. Lord, please, we thank you for your offerings, whatever they are, large or small. Thank you for your ministry to the Lord and the support of this fellowship. She put in everything, all she had to live on. This was it. No money for food, no money for anything. She was now totally dependent upon God. And in the same way, when our Lord went to the cross, he said upon the cross, into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. He threw himself on reliance on God's mercy, not, pardon me, not God's mercy, but God's ability to raise him again. What's the lesson for us? Give bigger offerings? No, no, no. If you go home thinking this is about money, I have wasted my time. It's not about money. Although maybe you, God may speak to you about that, but that's a separate issue. It's not to do with this. This is, has Gordon Neal put in everything, all I have to live on. 
Am I living for him? Am I trusting him? What am I holding back? I often ask myself the question, some 50 years ago I gave my life to Jesus. How much have I taken back? That night in South Harrowfield Gospel Church when I put my hand, gave my life to Jesus. I believe he got it all that night. I believe he got it all. But maybe over the years I've said, well, I'll take that back and I'll take a little of that back and uh, I'll take that back. You imagine if as a church, and visitors please excuse me, as if a church we were known not for our evangelism, not known for our music, not known for the ministry of the preaching team you have here, second to none. But we are known as a church who've put everything in. Do you know, if you go to that Kensington Temple Church, you've got to watch yourself, because before long you'll be putting everything in. The level of dedication, the level of ministry will rise in our lives in that way. Well, we're not told what happened. We're not told whether she walked down the road and discovered a 50-pound note on the floor. We're not told whether Jesus spoke to her. We're not told anything about that because that would detract, I believe, from what is happening. I believe God honoured this woman. I just don't know how he did it. I believe God blessed her. How did he do it? Why did he? I don't know. That becomes two, seven steps to this and the four steps to the other. All I know is that Jesus noticed what she did. And he's got a better memory than me.